many of us ever know what it is to become the perfect version of ourselves? This is Decoding Superhuman with your host, Boomer Anderson. All right, all right, superhumans. It's Boomer Anderson here, and I have no clue why I just introed with a southern accent. Today we're going to be talking about focus, and next to stress, nutrition, and sleep, focus is probably the fourth most common question that I get at Decoding Superhuman. Whether it's clients, whether it's people at conferences, meetings, etc., we get a lot of questions on focus. So I'm absolutely elated today to bring on an expert to really separate true from false and to give you bite-sized pieces of actionable information that you can actually use to increase your focus starting today. I met our guest today at the Biohackers Summit in Helsinki, Finland last year, and he took us through a series of breathing exercises, one of which included Wim Hof, which left me feeling great, left me feeling grand. And so I was absolutely elated when he agreed to come on the podcast today to talk about different ways to increase focus and how he's done it in his own life. So my guest today is Casper Vandermeulen, and he's an author and lifestyle adventurer. He went from being overweight, burnt out, and unhappy to developing laser focus, optimal fitness, which led him to do ultra marathons in his bare feet, and personal freedom. He's worked over 10,000 hours in teaching science, self-development, and biohacking, and he decided to demystify and methodize these principles in a fun and bite-sized manner. That led him to release the book MindLift, Mental Fitness for the Modern Mind, which you guys should all check out, and it's an Amazon bestseller. And Casper now travels the world on a mission to teach others to be the healthiest, happiest, and strongest version of themselves through transformative experiences, scientific understanding, and vivid storytelling. Like I said, I've been looking forward to this episode for a very long time. So what did Casper and I actually get into on today's episode? We talked about breathing and really the importance of that in terms of just nervous system regulation, the overall physiology, but also to enhance your focus and things you can do with that. We talked about his experiences with Wim Hof. You know, Casper was one of the original Wim Hof instructors, and in fact, he leads the level three Wim Hof instruction currently. We talk about focus and why thinking you can focus for eight hours a day straight is a stupid idea. We talk about pomodoros, say that one five times fast. Pomodoros, yes, the Italian word for tomato, and how you can structure pomodoros to allow you to get more done in less time. Casper also touches on why he schedules naps and distraction time, and you can check out all the show notes for this one, and I encourage you to check them out at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Casper, that's K-A-S-P-E-R. Enjoy my episode with Casper Vandermeulen. Sponsor for this episode is The Ring on My Finger. No, I'm not married yet, and frankly, before this ring, I hated wearing rings. But I must say, the guys at Aura have done a great job. The Aura ring allows me to track all sorts of crazy things about my sleep, including my resting heart rate, my deep sleep stages, my REM sleep, etc., etc. I really enjoy the feedback, and it allows me to make lifestyle decisions to become a higher performer. Let me give you an example. So prior to getting the Aura Ring, I would fast essentially 16 hours after my last meal. It didn't matter when that last meal was. However, when I look at my resting heart rate and how that really correlates to my performance the next day, 
I know I want my lowest resting heart rate coming as soon as possible after going to sleep because that's when all my recovery really starts. So what did I do? Well, it allowed me to adjust really when my last meal was before going to bed. So I have my last meal now earlier in the night. I get better sleep. I get higher quality sleep. And I must say, the next day feels amazing. So if you want to check out the Aura Ring, and if you want to pick one up yourself, go to AuraRing.com. That's O-U-R-A Ring.com. Plug in the code BOOMER and you'll get $50 off your order, or 50 euros, depending on your jurisdiction. I really hope you enjoy the ring, guys. I really hope you enjoy the ring, and on with the show. Casper, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's so good to have you on, because this topic of focus is uh, a key focus, pardon the pun, of my clients, and improving focus, of course. But let's, uh, let's kick things off with just the book Mind Lift because you know, I've heard you speak a couple of times about it and how you wrote it and how it's structured. But did you really write a book in 30 days? I did. And actually, I also did all the design and all the layout and all of that in the 30 days after it and getting it printed and everything. So the original run was completely self-published. I took 30 days for writing and then I took another 30 days for getting the final edits done and getting uh, all the layouts because I, I had a very specific way that I wanted the layout to be to support reading ability and focus, especially for people who don't read books, uh, which is what I, you know, the kind of person I used to be. Mm-hmm. And also to get all the design stuff, I just had this very clear idea. And I was like, if I can get this thing done, then I will know that I'm ready to take this out into the world. And that is mainly because I had this, let's say, disempowering pattern in my mind. Mm-hmm. about not being able to focus. I was the kid that couldn't focus, couldn't sit still, stuff like that. And also, I, I didn't do books. I didn't read. I had this paradigm in my mind that said, like, I'm just not this literary person that could do something like that. I don't even read books. So I was out to tackle those two disempowering patterns that I was believing, these stories I was believing about who I was. And I decided to challenge them by challenging myself to write the book in 30 days. Now, to be fair, of course, a lot of the research has been done before that. I I'm, I'm not sure if it's possible to do book research and write a book in, <laughs> in 30 days, but that is because books and any content emerges from your life. So you spend a lifetime gaining experiences and learning about things. And then having that focus moment of 30 days to write it down is actually possible. Okay. So there's a number of different things I want to talk about there in terms of structure of the book, etc. But let's go first into your background because you mentioned limiting beliefs, but also I'm curious how you found health in particular, because I've heard some stories about your background that may not suggest it was not the first path that you were on. No, this is true. It was a constant search for me. I had, you know, health and well-being challenges from pretty early on, not because I was struck by unlucky twists of faith with health. Like some people that I, actually a lot of people that I meet, they get hit by a car, they get, you know, autoimmune disease, and they go on this long search of trying to figure out what's going on. But as a, as a kid, I was just, um, I had a hard time getting my mind in order. I had a lot of anxiety I had uh, some issues with weight. I was always kind of like the chubby kid and I was, I was pretty overweight at some points in my life. So it's, it's something that has been a challenge for a long time and always with ups and downs. Um, but yeah, more like a thing in, in, in my own life that I had a really hard time, especially getting my habits in check, getting my behavior in check, getting my mind on a path of, well, 
conscious attention, being able to focus, being able to guide my own thoughts to a place of happiness and well-being. So things like anxiety and lifestyle-related health issues were always there as a kid. And then that kind of climaxed into a period of about five or six years ago when I was 80 pounds overweight, I was burnt out, I was depressed, I had this heart arrhythmia issue that I, I still have. It turns out it's hereditary, but it was really exacerbated by my lifestyle. Turned into more anxiety about my heart rate, and my, which caused my, you know, my, my heart rhythm to even be more messed up, which gave me, gave me more anxiety. So it was this loop. Um, anxious and, upon anxious upon anxious. Exactly. And, and I kept myself in this very comfortable loop that a lot of people live in of just, you know, going to work, complaining about work, not having full energy, spending my nights, whatever, you know, binge watching shows or playing video games, getting drunk on the weekend, smoking a lot, um, numbing myself out with food. And this was something that was a constant for most periods of my life. At that time, when I was kind of at my worst in that sense, I was working as a science teacher in a school and I had these kids looking up to me and I was like, hold on, I'm an example to these kids. Like they look up to me, I'm a role model. So that's something that made a big difference for me. And at the same time, I was working in education innovation. So I had this very strong feeling that the system of education in general is broken. And I was working in a pretty awesome school that allowed me to do a lot of experimentation, but I was just seeing a pattern that kids are disempowered in school. They have this idea that learning isn't fun, that um, they can't take charge of their own life. And I was really in this, in this fight to innovate education and to change the system. And then I realized, hold on, I can't even get through a day without have, feeling fear and anxiety. I can't even lose weight if I want to. I can't even control my own human biological system. Who am I to want to change a whole school system, right? So then I was like, you know what, let's just start here with me, with how I am now and to at least first of all get my health in check and through that be a better role model and then maybe through that I can influence a larger system outside of myself. How did this transform? What was the key catalyst there for you in order to kind of get on that path because I, I mean obviously you had the kids pressure well not pressuring you but you had the kids looking up to you as a role model but what was sort of the turning point who you know, who brought you on the right path? Uh, there's not necessarily one person or one uh, moment, but there was one very important key insight um, because I was also working as, well, I wasn't officially working as a guidance counselor. I was just that one teacher that kids would come to speak to about their issues. And I was finding that whatever emerged on the surface, like a learning disability, so to speak, or not being able to make friends or whatever issues they had. A lot of times uh, I, I spoke to a lot of kids with eating disorders or with uh, family situations that were out of balance and all of that. And I found that a lot of that came from an emotional core and of something that happened in life, something that they had a hard time dealing with on a deeper emotional level that was causing all kinds of issues on the surface. Now, of course, eating disorders and Issues at home, unstable family lives aren't necessarily on the surface issues, but the, their experience of that, of, of the, the anxiety and the worries and the inability. So, for example, on the surface level, they would start getting bad, bad grades, you know, and then they would seem like unmotivated kids. And then if you went digging, you see like, oh, there's this whole story. And the solution or the shift that these kids could make was always 
um, at a core, at an emotional core, at a place of, uh, let's say, in, in the shadows, in the dark side, in the place where nobody would ever look. And for me, I had the same in that period. Uh, that was the first time when I started having learning how to meditate and i learned this through hypnotherapy actually and and there's many different kinds of hypnosis and hypnotherapy the, the kind of hypnotherapy that i went to was basically guided meditations that taught me how to meditate how to self-hypnotize which is much more the way i learned it much more like a meditation being able to look at my thoughts with a little bit of distance give it a little bit of space and allow myself to that way disarm all these dark corners in my mind. And everybody has these dark corners in their minds, the, the shadow sides, the, the darker side. And it's extremely uncomfortable to look in those places. That's where you, know, you think the monsters are hiding. And so having a guided way of looking at those was a very important point. What that taught me, for example, is that one of the first shifts was me understanding that I was trying to be somebody that I couldn't really be. So I'm a perfectionist, basically. So I'm, I was trying to, to do things right and to get things right, but I couldn't get it. And then I realized that, you know, there was an emotional core to it. And some things happened, like, for example, I had the realization that I could just talk to people about my issues. And this is something that seems so incredibly simple. And But for a lot of guys, especially that type of guy that are, Yes, perfectionist, but at the same time, have a really hard time coping with the demands of the world. Things like video games and drugs and pornography and, and, and movies and whatever have such a high draw on your attention that it's really difficult to not do that. Right? It's so easy to numb yourself, especially if you look at how the male brain works and how the modern world, world works with all these giant stimuli. It's very difficult to take charge of your own mind and to just step up and go like, look, I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time. Somebody please help me. Like this is the scariest thing for most guys. Um, and for a lot of women too, but I mean, I speak from the experience of doing this as, as a guy in the modern world. And a lot of the men I, that come to my seminars are facing these same issues. So yeah, like for example, I talked to my dad and I had a, a, a conversation about my feelings with my dad. And um, I started talking to my friends about, hey, I'm not actually not doing too well. Like these very simple things. And within a month or two, I noticed that I had kind of effortlessly suddenly lost like 15 pounds of weight and I was smoking less. And I was like, wait, I didn't try. Like I didn't push myself. I didn't discipline myself. I didn't force myself. I fixed something at an emotional core, relatively simple, but for me far out of the comfort zone. And then, you know, these lifestyle changes naturally flowed from it. So instead of externally trying to discipline myself, I was looking like, what is the true core of these behaviors and of how I feel? And how can I work on that so that the, the, the let's say, positive lifestyle changes flow from it more naturally? This resonates quite well with me. And I know it's going to resonate quite well with the audience because there's a lot of alpha male types listening to this. And so you've addressed an emotional need at your core level and now you're starting to make these positive lifestyle changes around probably you know not smoking so much maybe not going to Fabo, one of those type of things but what about where, where does breathing come into this because when I've seen you speak either at biohacker summit or somewhere else there's a lot of uh, we talk a lot about breathing and so I would love to get a little bit into sort of how you got into the breathing aspects and particularly the cold. Yes, absolutely. So 
when I was already pretty far ahead in my own process, uh, I had dealt with a lot of things and I was starting to, instead of, so actually in my, in my book, I described this, uh, this there, or I described, I use this model, it's a scientific model for uh, gauging level of health outcomes. And basically you have this, this normality line where you are at, you know, you're not in danger, you're okay, that you're not sick, basically. And, and the, the, the not sick is kind of where modern healthcare or lifestyle advice generally ends. So right, if there's something wrong with you, you get help, you recover, and then you're okay. When I was okay, I was like, well, you know, I've been climbing and building and moving forward. Why not look ahead at what's there? You know, what else is there? And that's when I started getting into a more of an optimization mindset, that biohacking mindset of looking at each part of my life and going, all right, so how can I optimize this? How can I change it to a level of where it's flowing from me, where I'm enjoying it, where I'm, I'm, I'm actively looking to improve myself as a mode of self-expression? When I started doing that, I was like, what can I do? Right? So what is possible? I had learned that I couldn't write a book. So that's one track that I got on. I'd learned that I am not built to run uh, because I had a really severe, you know, it's funny. When I was between 10 and 12 years old, I started playing basketball, getting in shape, and I got to play at a national level, which is a Dutch national level, which is nothing <laughs> compared to what, what the level in the U.S. is. But still, hey, that's I was one awesome. of the better players in the country. Yeah, I was crazy. And I was like on the court 20 hours a day. And I, was, I, I grew about 10 inches in that one year. And it, guess what? You know, if you train 20 hours a, a week as a kid and uh, you play competition and everything is about the win, then, well, you might mess up your body a little bit. But then a doctor was like, well, yeah, I guess you're just not made to run. Right? <laughs> he could have also said you're not made to train 20 hours a week while you're growing and going to school and all this stuff. That anyway, probably would have been more helpful for you. Yes, probably. So I was looking at all these different things, optimizing sleep, getting into this biohacker mindset. And one of the first things I found was the Wim Hof method. And the Wim Hof method had been on my mind for a while. And interestingly, I had been interested in breathing before that because actually I would now every now and then use a breathing exercise before a test in school. So I was working in school and I, I realized that breathing techniques could calm kids down if they were having like a, a freak out before a test. There's simple stuff like box breathing that you can throw in and these kids were, you know, feeling better. It's awesome. Um, but it didn't jump at me because I felt like this breathing stuff is kind of boring. Just sit down and focus on your breath. And I done a lot of breath awareness and very simple breathing techniques through meditation, but it never caught my attention because I was just like, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, but I was always interested in it, in, but it didn't jump at me like it did until I did the Wim Hof method for the first time. <laughs> for anybody who's ever done the Wim Hof method breathing, you get out of it feeling like, wow, it was that, you know, it's such an awesome experience. So is, I went yeah. to uh, one of Wim's workshop, I think four or five years ago, a one day workshop and uh, we did the breathing and I was like, yes, we did the ice bath. And I was still worried about my heart because I had this arrhythmia disorder and there's all these stories about people having heart attacks in the cold, which is actually hardly any data on. It's the first thing that I, that people respond to when they talk about the cold, they go like, what about your heart? Now, of course, if you have a heart condition or you know a pre-existing heart condition, you want to be really careful with extreme stimuli like the cold and saunas and workouts and stuff like that. But um, then I was like, all right, let's just, um, you know, I actually checked with my doctor and uh, he was like, yeah, you're, you're fine. And I'm like, all right, let's, let's do it. And we, uh, I tried and I was like, this is amazing. And I went back for the second time. And at the end of the day, I was like, Vim, I'm in. What can I do? He's like, well, you can become an instructor. I was like, I'm in. Awesome. And this is what I noticed. Like the, the, the area of breath 
is becoming very popular because it's one of the overlooked lifestyle factors that not a lot of people were looking at. And there's all kinds of really cool and effective, I mean, any type of breathing practice that you consciously do is going to be good for you, is going to be effective. And there's yogic practices and there's all these different streams. But what I talk, you know, I, I have this conversation a lot with other Wim Hof Method instructors or enthusiasts. They go like, well, you know, all that breathing stuff is great and it works, but Wim is the first guy who went out there and made it like this rock star thing to do. You know, he's just such a cool character and he makes it so interesting for people. And when I got into the Wim Hof Method and I started also helping them teach the other instructors from my, from my science teacher background, and uh, yeah, I just noticed that there, this whole field of breathing is so interesting and there's so much to learn. And um, I heard somebody say actually just last week, uh, I can't remember who it was, I'd love to quote them, but um, uh, they said um, uh, the Wim Hof Method is the gateway drug of breathing practice, you know? It's absolutely um, true, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's great. And, and it's also, to be fair, it's, it's the only technique that I know and I've studied, I, as far as I can see, everything around breathing uh, and I will keep doing so. And it's just the, the one technique that takes you through the whole spectrum of breathing practice, you know, intense breathing, not breathing, conscious breathing, all these different like breath holds, uh, different mechanics. And it takes you through all of it. And in just 20 minutes, it gives you, the, gives you this entire workout not just for your respiratory system, but also for your immune system, for your, for your nervous system. And then uh, looking back at, at my um, lifestyle changes and, and the times where I, I was feeling very suboptimal, I would have loved to have that tool earlier on because I see so many people with anxiety, uh, with depression, with issues, and everybody wants to go, oh, it's curing this or it's curing that. Well, we don't know that yet. It might. But the point is especially that you do it and then you feel better. So. One thing that I say a lot in my courses is the way you breathe is the way you feel. And the Wim Hof method in the, in the world of breathing is just that, that one technique that will give you that feeling of aware of your body, feeling more conscious in your life, feeling charged. And yeah, most breathing techniques take a while before you get that feeling. And that, that's why I like this one so much. Casper, do you mind? I want to go a little bit into the, the physiology because of your science background and sort of what's going on during the Wim Hof method, because some people listening out there may not be familiar with it, and they may not be familiar with the benefits. But I think my initial reason for reaching out to you was, I used the Wim Hof method a couple of years ago when I was going through a stage of burnout. And yeah, I can't point if that was the cure, but it certainly helped me along the way. And so if you don't mind just going into some of the, the more nuanced aspects of it. Yeah. I could lecture about this for hours, which I, which, which I do at many points. <laughs> um, and I have these full week programs uh, that are basically about answering this question. So there's different levels to look at, right? So you can look at physiology. And if you look at physiology, you can look at circulation. You can look at pH level, immunoregulation, all these different, these different things. But what I like to tell people um, up front, like when they come in and, and they're interested and they're like, but why does it work and how does it work? It has to do that with, with, the, with the basic principle, and this is, of course, a principle that all breathing techniques work on, is that your breathing is, let's say, the first responder to anything. So your breathing is a very important influencer to the state of your being. So that means that if you change your breathing, it is a very quick way to change your physiological state. 
And what the Wim Hof method does is it takes all the knobs and levers of breathing and it takes you through certain states. And so, for example, when you speed up your breathing and intensify your breathing, you increase your heart rate, right? You produce, a, you have a different chemical output, right? So there's, for example, uh, a bit of cortisol and adrenaline that is being made, which are known as the stress hormones. But of course, you know, there's nothing wrong with these hormones. You have them for a reason. So during the more intensive part of the breathing, uh, the deep breathing, your body fires up its engines and it increases metabolism. And, you know, you throw out all the CO2 and alkalize uh, your blood, um, your capillaries and your fingers, and it, well, in general, in your extremities actually contract a little bit, right? If you have uh, adrenaline present in your system, your immune system is actually downregulated slightly. So there's all these effects, right? And I could, all of those I could talk about for a long time. <laughs> but then you have this part where there's a breath hold. And during the breath hold, you're training your body to be much better at utilizing oxygen. You're training your mind to be more efficient. And this is something that people notice during their attention. Every thought you have costs energy. So if you are worried and if you are in your to-do list and if you are mentally active, investing energy in things that you don't need at that moment, you will notice it by your physiological state. Because as soon as you run out of breath, your heart rate goes up and you feel a bit stressed. But then if you let the thoughts go, you'll actually calm yourself down. So this is why I see it as a, as a kind of, uh, for me, this is my experience. It's been almost like a biofeedback tool where I'm in this meditative state in the retention. And I can just notice that the more I am aware of my body in touch with my body and not in my thinking brain the whole time, the easier it is to flow in that state. And it's not at all about how long it can hold your breath. That's never what it's about with this, uh, for me at least. Um, but what it is, is that it is a tool to show you how your active mind messes with your physiology and how you're messing yourself up. So that's a very important one for me. It teaches you how to be more um, efficient with oxygen. It, it basically trains your body to switch from a stressful state to a resting state. And um, yeah, so I could, I could go on for hours like, like this, but this is uh, the main idea is that, you know, through contracting and relaxing those capillaries, through breathing um, full breaths of air, you're actually training your circulatory system, right? You're training your nervous system to activate and to relax. You are training um, in a sense or resetting if you want to use that word. I like the word reset to use it too much to explain things, but it works in this sense. Your hormonal system is getting a slight reset. Your metabolism is getting a boost. Your ability to use oxygen, which is like the most important thing in the world, you know, for you as a human to use oxygen, all this stuff is being trained and improved. And you get this great um, feeling in your body because it's a very strong stimulator of the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is such an important player in the health of your um, nervous system and of anything of your ability to even regenerate and these are all you know the simpler things actually and and you could go layers and layers deeper if you look at the newer studies that, are, that have come out about the method where it's just shown that there are parts of the brain that are being accessed of which i didn't even know they could be accessed that there's all these uh applications for um you know pain regulation for uh changing the you know, the chemical state of your brain and it just keeps going on. It's pretty awesome. It's a pretty incredible experience for those who haven't tried it out there. I know there's an online course, but the in-person seminars are pretty incredible as well. It's all, yeah, there's a wide spectrum. There's like the, the big shows with Wim. They're amazing. Then there's a lot of really uh, awesome instructors. Most of them I know fairly well. 
great people who are out there to share the method. And the online program is also, um, yeah, it's a 10 week program works really well. So Casper, I want to move in just the direction of focus here. And we can either talk about how you can use Wim Hof to focus or really how what I would like to get into is more because a lot of your efforts in mind lift as well as other things that you do are around this topic of focus. How do you sort of sh shut off the world when we're in such a digitally distracted you know, world that we're in today? As in, like, how do you personally deal with that? And how could you apply some of these techniques like breathing in order to get into better focus states? Great question. So focus is consciously directed attention. So you have attention, you have a finite amount of it actually, because attention is like a mental currency and it costs energy to spend it. Now, attention that is spent on autopilot costs less energy. Right? So if you do something completely automatically, because you've done it so many times, it is simple and it's basic to do. You just run the neural pathway and you just do what you do. Right? Conscious attention takes a bit more energy, which is why it's a bit harder to acquire and, and to kind of like wield that sort. The issue is that most of our attention is actually spent on autopilot, which means that most of our attention goes to things that we do not consciously choose or do no longer consciously choose. So if you decide, you know, to, to pick up your phone and to learn how to use Instagram, you're consciously using your brain to learn how to use it, which is great for your brain. You know, you're learning new things, you're getting new stimuli, but at a certain point you've become so accustomed to these stimuli, you've done it so many times that you're just mindlessly scrolling through it and it grabs your attention from you and it just goes there. So, and you're not consciously investing it anymore. So you don't know what your return is going to be. So for me, it is very much about creating any way and applying any way that allows me to have moments in my day where I consciously direct my attention to the things that I find important. And it starts with the process of asking, what am I investing my most precious currency that I have, which is your attention? Uh, what am I investing in? into and a lot of people say like time is really the only thing you have but then the quality of the time is determined by the the way you invest your attention in that time right so you can have quality time with your family and actually be with your child and connect or you can just mindlessly scroll through instagram while your child is playing or whatever right so that's the same amount of time but the attention determines the quality of the time so for me on a practical level i use different strategies so there's on one side i i train my focus all right, train to improve it. So for example, breathing techniques, uh, cold exposure, meditation, running, strength training, body work, like simple things like foam rolling, right? So putting attention in your body in a place, generally keeping myself happy, nutritional changes, like um, choosing food that supports my ability to focus. There's uh, supplements, you know, there's... Um, Naps. Naps are one of my favorite things to do in the world when it comes to recharging my focus. And all these different things are ways to train and support my focus. And on the training level, you look more at, you know, really taking your attention, putting it on something and staying with it. So that's what you do, for example, during the cold. Uh, an ice bath, a cold shower is a great way to train that. When you're running, if, if you're running and you're blasting your headphones with music, your sports watch is telling you how fast to go, you're not really training your focus, you're training your conditioning, running is always awesome, but if you run mindfully 
and you are aware of your body, you're scanning your body, you're looking at your tourist surroundings. I run on bare feet, so I have to be present in the moment because if I, my mind wanders, I might step in something. It's things like that that train my focus. So focus is a mental muscle and you can train it. On the other hand, you have support. And so nutrition, for example, I one of the big game changers for me uh, to be focused and uh, clear of mind to get out of brain fog. Brain fog has been like a massive thing for me in my life is intermittent fasting, for example. So if I want to focus, I don't eat and then I'm burning fat and I'm actually more in a slightly sympathetic state where I could get the focus or get the flow state. So I have built a life where I know when I'm going to be able to focus and when not. And that I think is a massive key factor at the core philosophy of learning how to focus is that it's yin yang. You can't contract if you can't relax, right? You can't activate if you can't deactivate. So you can't focus if you can't distract. So the one creates the other, the light creates the dark. The problem is that we want our focus to be completely conscious, to be, we want to be completely in control of our focus, to be able to gain that state and to hold on to it. But to do that, we have to also take control over our distractions. So what I like to do is I like to plan my distractions and turn them into things that are helpful for me. So I decide when I allow my distraction. And one massive thing for me is the Pomodoro technique. And I use it in many different ways. I love it. Uh, and it's basically, so I, I like to, and I, I, I elaborate on that, uh, on the Pomodoro technique. Uh, of course, Pomodoro technique is just a timer in the shape of a tomato. You know, and you use it, you set it for 20 minutes. Uh, and I've, I've, I've just elaborated on that a lot. I was using it already before I found the official technique. I was just using, um, uh, let's say, uh, mental interval training. So as a teacher, one of the first things I learned was that the attention span of an average human, when they sit down and have to listen and they don't move, is 15 to 20 minutes. And then the kids I was working with was more like 10 to 15 minutes. And then you have the one ADHD brain, it's more like five minutes. So how do you then accommodate a classroom to a, a group of individuals that have different attention spans? Well, the main thing I did that I, when I read this study about the attention span, I started timing my uh, classes. So I said, all right, listen, guys, I'm going to talk for 10 minutes. It's going to be about this topic. It's going to have this level of intensity. It's going to have some difficult words. After the 10 minutes, I promise you, you get to be distracted, right? So after 10 minutes, a timer would go and it would start playing a, muse, uh, a, a song that was louder than my voice. So, so the fun thing was that I had to stop after 10 minutes. So I had to condense my teaching into those 10 minutes, but especially it is about helping your brain understand what is coming. So let's say I ask you to go on a run for me, but I don't tell you if it's going to be a full length marathon or a 100 meter sprint. So if you don't know how long it's going to take or how intense it's going to be, you're sure as hell not going to start out with a 100 meter sprint as fast as you can, just in case it might be a marathon or a 10K. So if you start your workday or as a teacher, if you start lecturing and the brains you're working with, and if you start your workday or you start your study, you're working with your own brain, the brain doesn't know what it's going to need to do. It is sure as hell not going to start with its most genius <laughs> version of it, with its most energetic version of it, invest all of the energy straight from off the bat because it doesn't know how long it's going to have to um, work. So a big reason a lot of people get distracted or feel distracted all day is because they sit themselves down for eight hours 
and they expect their brain to be focused and productive for eight hours in a row, which is an entirely unrealistic expectation, right? We think we can attain the state and keep it. And we've been also kind of like tricked into thinking you can do that. You can, you can be eight hours a day, every time of year, 40 years, you can just be focused and productive. Well, that's not how it works, right? And if you actually try that, guess what? You'll find yourself burning out pretty quickly. So one of the, one of the key things for me is to plan out and to let myself know how long I'm going to do this thing. So let's say I sit down 20 minutes. I know I'm going to answer emails. I'm going to crush these emails in 20 minutes. And as soon as the timer goes, I get to be distracted by whatever I want. Now, if I can then, um, so the main thing is I know how long I'm going to work and with what intensity. So if you don't know whether it's going to be a marathon or a sprint, you don't know what to do. You're confused. So you're not going to invest all that attention in what you're doing. But if then I say like, okay, we're going for a 5K run at uh, you know an 80% intensity pace, then you're like, all right, cool. I know my pace. I know I'm going to breathe. I know I'm going to run. I know I'm going to make it. And then I get a break. Let's do it. And then suddenly you can optimally invest that attention, that, that energy into that frame of time over that distance. And if you do the exact same thing with your brain, you'll find yourself being way more focused, um, getting more work done and having more breaks. To, and if you look at, even if you look around my room now, there's a massive whiteboard on the wall that I have a bunch of interesting stuff on that I want to think about. So if I'm working in my house, which I do, and I look around the room, the distraction is some of my own ideas right? So instead of going, oh, I can't do it anymore and distract it, I just go to my whiteboard and elaborate on the ideas or I draw. I have a guitar right here. I have a drum in the corner. So these are all things that support my, and actually I have a, I have a frozen Elsa and a frozen balloon over here because I have a little daughter and there's unicorns <laughs> everywhere. So the things that distract me are things that are helpful for supporting my focus. Because if you spend five minutes playing guitar or, you know, throwing some juggling balls around, you're going to be way better at getting back into your focus interval, so to speak, than when you're just scrolling through your phone while you're sitting at your laptop. And so one rule is that I get to be distracted. But if I am distracted, I will stand up and walk away from my work area. So I don't associate in my brain the distraction with the work area. Okay, this is... This that is, was a lot. <laughs> this is a lot, Casper. And I want to kind of break it down for people because thank you for going through it. But just to make it a little bit less intimidating for people, some of the things that you mentioned, breathing techniques, food changes, cold showers, et cetera, intermittent fasting. If we layer all of these in at once in the average day, unless you've done it for a longer period of time, it could take a lot out of your day. And for an average well, let's say a time-constrained high performer, what do you say to them in terms of the most bang for their buck? What would be like a minimum effective dose for the average person? Well, I, I hardly ever give tips on the level of, of what, but more on the how and why. So what I like to do is tell people, for 30 days, just change one thing. Apply that and see how it works for you. So for example, um, skipping breakfast. Do that for 30 days and see how it influences your ability to focus in your mornings. If you notice, it adds 30 minutes of focused attention to your morning. That's a massive win, especially if you're a time-constrained high performer. That's a group that I work a lot with on, on like personal coaching and stuff like that. And ha half an hour of extra focus a day, if you calculate that into hours and money for hours, that's huge, right? Even 15 minutes would be great. 
or I tell them, for example, just really practical things, you know, like see how you feel when you skip breakfast. Another thing is, you know, your, your four o'clock, five o'clock pick me up, like your double espresso, your power bar, your energy drink, your fast sugars. What you're doing there is your, your system that activates you, your sympathetic system will be overworked, which is why you get tired and you lose focus. So then we try to jolt that system by inputting more energy and more stimulants. What you can also do is replace your four o'clock, five o'clock, whatever that dip moment is for you, the coffee, the sugar, the whatever, replace it for a nap or a five-minute breathing technique or a five-minute meditation. Like if you can't take a nap in your office, hide in the toilet, do a breathing. Well, don't do breathing techniques in the toilet, by the way. That might lead to a bad experience, but a meditation or whatever, right? Go for a walk. Very simple things. Like allow yourself to calm down and then reactivate. These things are major. But the whole idea is, right, you take a period, an overseeable period of 30 days, and you, attend, you, you, you put in the effort on a daily basis, which might be like, I don't do every day. Like daily, I don't know, if I do it five times in a week, I'm pretty proud of myself. I change the one tiny thing, the low-hanging fruit, and see how it improves my ability to focus. And then you can, you can take that to anything you like. And whatever, you, whatever works for you, after the 30 days, because it works for you, it'll be effortless to keep it. And then you go on to the next thing. So, you know, try to skip breakfast. Try to replace your double espresso in the afternoon with a breathing technique. You know, take a cold shower in the morning after you're done having a warm shower because then you have to focus on your breathing and bring it to your body. You know, go for a 20-minute run in the morning and then you can make a very easy schedule for yourself where you go, all right, so I can do this task for an hour, you know, at 100%. Awesome. Then I start to get tired. If I go for an other hour at 50%, I might overexceed my capacity so much that I'm done for the rest of the day. But if I take a 20-minute break, and in that break, I take a little walk, you know, I have a drink of water, I get uh, a nice good coffee, then I can probably do another hour of that high-quality work. So what you're basically doing is you're creating programming for yourself. So for any activity... There is a level of intensity, there is amount of attention, there is an amount of time that you can keep doing it. So that's why I say work like an athlete, right? So if I would, and actually I've, I've, uh, I've opened a gym last year in my hometown here, Utrecht, and um, you know, if we work on programming, and, and any athlete knows this, right? If you do high intensity or high reps, you might not want to do that for a very long time. So ask yourself, what type of work do you do? Do you have a marathon style type of work? Do you sit down and program for eight hours or do you have really intense bursts of, for example, trading moments and then moments of nothing? So you basically go and you sit down and you make programming for yourself. If you would consider your focus as a mental muscle, ask yourself, how long can I contract that muscle and how long do I need to relax it before I can contract it again? This is exactly what you do if you're like, let's say you're doing a bicep curl and you know, all right, at this weight, I can do 15 reps and if then I take two minutes rest, I can do another 15 reps. If I would attempt to do the 30 reps in one go, I would never make it and I would think I failed, right? So don't set yourself up for failure. And that way you can create a programming for yourself. I like to put it in my calendar. So if I know like, all right, tomorrow I have like 30 emails to answer. I have, uh, you know, two interviews and I have this writing task that I need to do. All right. Email answering is generally, I don't, people, if you've emailed me, I don't think it's mindless, but it's more mindless work in a sense. You know, most emails are mindless work. Not the email you sent me, listener. Um, <laughs> but it, it, in comparison to writing 
a part of my book or writing a blog post, you know, it doesn't require as much creativity, right? So I have productivity work, I have creativity work, I have an interview. Well, I know if I have the interview, after the interview, I'm going to be super inspired to write an article. So if I plan writing an article after my interviews, I am going to write a much better article in a shorter amount of time, but that will be a full interview and an article. And then I'm going to need half an hour of absolutely nothing. Otherwise, my brain is fried for the rest of the day. So I don't no longer look at how much work do I need to get done, but how can I support my focus? So it's a different paradigm. Instead of saying, how far can I run tomorrow? You're saying, how can I run better tomorrow? And, and that's a bit of the paradigm shift. I hope that was practical enough. Giving a personal example makes it really relatable to people. So Casper, thank you so much for that. This is all just absolute audio gold. So thank you so much. A um, couple final questions before we wrap up here, if you don't mind. But the questions I get to ask everybody, and everybody always seems to have a different answer. What is health to you? Health is the ability to flexibly respond to whatever life asks from you. It's a great answer. And to add to that, what is health not, just to add to it, the contrast is it is not a definite state that you can attain. And once you attain it, you keep it. It is about moving in between the states. You know, so people say, I'm healthy. And then they get the flu and they go, oh, no, I'm not healthy. Well, actually, a flu is a very healthy response to a pathogen coming into your body, right? So that sense of gratitude and understanding for your body is very important. And to go like, yeah, you're going to have off days. But if that, was, if that is what life asks from you in that moment, it's very healthy to have your off day. So allow yourself the off day. That's, I love the language that you put around that. Of the toolbox of different tricks that you've shared with us today, what would be your favorite one to enhance focus? Okay, I'll, I'll do two answers. <laughs> Um, because if it's just about productivity, supporting your brain with timed intervals is probably the best one. If it is about generally training the muscle of focus, I would say just for the, the easiest, lowest hanging fruit, quickest uh, results, it is a cold shower because it trains everything. And actually, if you go to wimhoffmethod.com, there's like this 20-day cold shower challenge and you have this little calendar and you can mark it off and progress so you feel like you're actually following a schedule instead of just being crazy and torturing yourself in the morning. <laughs> it's helpful. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, favorite book on high performance? Ooh, that is difficult because that always changes with whatever I'm reading at the moment. Um, I have to say the most influential one starting out that I go back to very often is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Just straight, straight up classic. Casper, I know you're releasing a new course soon, in English at least. I know it's out in Dutch. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that as well as where people can find out more about you if they want to learn more? Absolutely. So if you go to mindlift.com, by the time this episode released, it will have the 30-day focus boost, which is an online program that I made, which is a very simple it's 10 videos. So every three days you get an email and it says, hey, there's a new video. And basically all of the stuff that I've talked about is cut up into 10 five-minute videos that allow you to find your best way to improve your focus. And the idea is that it's not a bunch of content and then you just go and try to apply it. It is built to be an experience where you start at day one. And actually you could take like two or three months to finish it, doesn't matter. But the point is that it is basically taking your mental muscle of focus and then looking at all the different ways that you can support it 
that you can train it, and that you can apply it. So it starts with just understanding what it is, then going, all right, so where am I? What are, how do I respond to my external world? How do I respond to um, my social environment? Which of the things of the people of the whatever in my life are taking most of my attention? And so it's about taking away unwanted stimuli, then internally training the mental muscle through you know very simple meditation techniques that you do throughout your day. And then at the end, it's very much about building a system to support your focus. So basically all the stuff around focus that I've talked about on a practical level, productivity, conscious awareness, these things, um, I put it in a, in a uh, yeah, sweet and short 30-day course um, to make it as available for everybody as possible. And then, of course, in my book, I have written about this topic a lot. Um, but most people, after writing a book, they have a bit of a harder time implementing those practices into their lives. So like, how does it work for me? How long will I work on this? When will I have it? And that is why, basically on popular demand, I decided to make a program that supports the book in a way, but you can also do it standalone. It uh, doesn't really matter. And uh, just go through it and in 30 days, see an, an active increase in your focus that you can actually experience right away. And we'll link to both in the show notes. But Casper, on social media, where can people get a hold of you? So the, the most fun place to find me is my Instagram profile. That's where I'm most active, where I engage the most. And uh, it's at Casper's Focus. K-A-S-P-E-R-S-F-O-C-U-S. So yeah, follow me on Instagram and uh, you won't be disappointed. Hopefully. Casper, <laughs> this has been absolutely a blast for me. I, I've learned a lot and I know I'm going to start scheduling my time a lot better to work out that focus muscle. So thank you so much for taking the time today. I, I really appreciate you being here. It was a massive pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. And to all the superhumans listening out there, have an absolutely great day. Superhumans, before you go, can I ask two favors? Did you enjoy that episode? If so, can you send me an email at podcast at decodingsuperhuman.com? Provide any feedback, positive or negative. I would love to hear from you. And for those of you who have really taken advantage of that, you know I respond to each email. Secondly, if you did enjoy the episode, can you head on over to iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, any one of your favorite podcast listening platforms, and give Decoding Superhuman a five-star rating. It would really be appreciated. And then finally, for those of you who are looking at taking an informed approach to health, head on over to decodingsuperhuman.com. Check out what we have going on over there. And if you want to schedule a free 15-minute discovery call with me, you're going to have that option. Superhumans, have an absolutely epic day. And remember, as always, choose health. <laughs>